This is Everyday Life. In Bel Air. In Edgewood. Baltimore. In Harford County. You drive. Try to be on time. You work hard. Hang out with friends. Play. Run errands. Cook. Go to bed to do it all over. Could this ordinary life somehow be more? Mean more. Matter more. Wherever you live. Whatever you do. You were meant to live a life on mission. Hello, Mountain. It's good to see everybody. I know we probably got some guests, and I'm really glad you're here. W welcome. If it's your first time or you're kind of a newbie, glad you're here. My name is Ben. Uh, we say hello every week to our friends at their Bel Air campus, John Kerr School, and at our Edgewood campus over there at the Epicenter in Edgewood and here at the Mountain Road campus. Uh, we're in week four of Life on Mission. Uh, how many of you appreciating this so far, getting some challenges out of this? I hope so. I sure am. Next week, I want to tell you, uh, Tim Harlow is going to be with us in person. Tim Harlow is the dude who wrote the book, friend of ours, uh, the guy in the video. It's, it, he's, he's a great communicator, funny, engaging, and going to really challenge us in a way I think you're going to love. So come back next week to see Tim. Um, before we jump into what we want to do this weekend, i got to give you an update on this change for a dollar thing. Would you like to hear about that? If you were here last week, you know what I'm talking about. We, at the end of the service, we just said, hey, look. There's a lot of people in our community that are struggling financially right now and going through tough times. And if you've got an extra buck in your pocket that you would never miss and you want to throw it in the hat on the way out, do that. No pressure. It wasn't an offering and obligatory. It's not our ties. And it's separate. Then we give away thousands of dollars in our benevolence ministry and all these other things every week. But that's, that's not what we're talking about. It's just a special one-time deal. And a lot of you responded. And our, we called it change for a dollar because we wanted to say, hey, we can... We can bring change to a life or a family or a heart with just the simple act of service of, of giving a dollar. Well, you all gave some money, and we wadded it together, added it up, and we have a lot of needs that were pressing and before us. Okay, can I uh, tell you what we did is we, we basically just said we, we want to come visit you. Is that okay? And they were like, or sometimes we didn't even call. We just showed up, knocked on the door. They didn't know what it was about. It was a surprise. And can I tell you a couple stories? Okay, so... Um, Steve, who's actually here in this service here right now at Mountain, he's a mountain guy. He wasn't always a mountain guy. A couple years ago, his precious little daughter who's here today, Peyton, uh, had a terrible life-threatening illness. It was a very rare thing. and was, It was gosh awful, and she's going through all these surgeries. And he's like, I didn't even know how to pray or who to pray to, but I tried. And then through that... God blessed their family, and he's kind of come into a relationship with God. He's here at Mountain now, and, and in the aftermath of that, some Christians came along and offered to help with his bills that he was just buried with for all those medical expenses. So he's lived with that. He's been looking for an opportunity to give back. Well, at work, his friend Efren has a little boy named Marcel who's nine years old. This last summer, Marcel had this terrible stuff happen in his life. He's... Um, awful symptoms and migraines and they rush him to Johns Hopkins and they discover that he has an aggressive brain tumor, um, cancerous tumor in his brain. He's, ha he's just been through the ringer, this little guy. Uh, surgeries, multiple surgeries, shunts. In fact, he was going to be with us today, but he got rushed off to the ER again today. Uh, feeding tubes, chemotherapy, all the while hanging on there with homeschooling and physical therapy. Here's a couple pictures of Marcel, um, nine-year-old boy, post-surgery. So you can imagine the emotional turmoil, but then also just the, the bills, and they're mounting up, and uh, so they're trying to find some friends who can help him with the bills. Didn't have a church home, so Steve 
who's a mountain guy, was able this week to go and say, hey, um, we've been trying to find someone to bless. God led us to you. Here's a check from Mountain Christian Church to help with those bills. So that was awesome. Way to go. Um, uh, April and Marcus, uh, another family, got five kids. Just a lot of things I could tell you. I'm going to kind of hurry through some of these. If you want to see more of these, go to my blog this week. I'll tell some of the stories there. But um, they got five kids, trying their best to make it. April is pregnant, like eight months. She's supposed to be on bed rest. When we came to the door, um, she came looking very shocked and afraid. She thought we were there to evict her. She had been hearing warnings about that. The BGE, BGE bill's overdue. Her husband is working his head's off, head off seven days a week, but because of her pregnancy, she's been out of work. It's been a rough pregnancy. And um, so we just explained we're simple Jesus followers who are trying to uh, bless someone in our community with the love of God. And uh, with tears streaming down her cheeks, she opened up that check for, for uh, some money that's going to help them in a crucial time of need. She cried. She showed us the baby's room. Here's a picture of April and her kids, just so happy to receive this and, and just said, you know what, my baby isn't going to be homeless. I'm so grateful, and we were just praying that God would provide, and then you guys show up. Um, Justin, he was not so friendly at first. He was a little bit skeptical. Here's a picture of Justin. He woke him up from his nap. He's tired. He's been working a lot, and he's like, okay, who are you guys, and what is this about, and is this real? And then we gave him a check, and then he was just very moved, and uh, here's a check. He just stood there speechless. We presented, most of these people got checks for $1,000. And we just handed him a check for $1,000. He had a whole bunch of needs. Uh, I, I wish I could just tell you all the details, though. There's so many great stories. Robert and Sandra Roberts, a disabled vet. His wife's elderly and ill. And they had just had a conversation on how they're going to make the $100 that they have left stretch through the holidays and, and knew they weren't in VLC family. They got some medical things and they got other things going on. And uh, even though she's elderly, when David presented the hundred, uh, the one thousand dollar check to her, he says, "I received three bone-crushing hugs from that old woman," and uh, just very, very moved. Brooks is another guy who lives in Abingdon. He's had a rough time with diabetes and kidney, and that led him to have a heart attack. He's missed some work. He's lost a bunch of weight, and he's been working extra to get back on top of the medical bills. We were able to present him with a check for one thousand um, dollars. Gary's been trying to get some changes in his life. He's going to celebrate recovery. He's got his addiction under control. He and his brothers are still trying to. Take care of their mom who just got out of the hospital and um, so we gave him a check for $1,000 to help with a bus pass some government things that he needs to take care of some groceries and some rent um, we've been doing a lot of stuff with the homeless in our community as you know um, there's great ministries but there's still people that live in cars and in tents one of so anyway some of our staff have been uh, paying attention to those people and um, we used another $1,000 from what was given to help. Uh, for, for example, this week we'll repair, uh, families living out of their car, but someone broke into their car and broke the window. So we're going to repair that window, things like that, this week for the homeless in our community. I, I wish I could tell you, there's other stories about immigrant women escaping abusive situations. We helped them and so forth. Let me just tell you about Gwen. Gwen's a sweet gal. She serves over at the epicenter. She greets. She's in her Bible study. She's an amazing woman, but she's been walking everywhere because she can't uh, afford to repair uh, her car. Uh, never complained, never said anything, but we heard about that, and we presented to yesterday to, to her a check for $1,000 to cover those car repairs and help with some things around her house. Here's a, here's a picture of Gwen with her bill and her check. And if you ask Gwen how she feels about all this, this is what she's liable to do is to break into a jig. Uh, and we're happy too because $7,772 later, every dime of it went away to bless someone. Yay, God, way to go. Thank you, mountain people. That was really fun. So that was awesome. 
So, you know, our, our hope is that it, it somehow or other is just a simple act of, of, of generosity. We can't give away $1,000 every week. You can't do it on your own, most of us. So, so but, but the whole point is maybe God will use it, you know. Maybe God will open a heart with it. Maybe God will just bless someone and, and help them know that, that God's real and, and, and cares about them. And, and that's really what this Life on Mission uh, project that we're doing together is all about. God is trying to use any way He can to help a lost world know that He really does love them and care for them. And He'll use us, and He intends to use us. Anyone who follows God is a God follower, is also on mission with him. And that's your life mission. The way Jesus said it uh, when he was talking, when he was speaking to his father, he said in John 17, he says, in the same way that you gave me a mission in the world, now I give them a mission in the world. Jesus has given you a mission in the world. It so happens to be the same mission that Jesus had. The way he summed up his mission, in Luke chapter 19, he says, the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Whatever is far from God, Jesus came to say, no, you need to be in relationship with God. He's a seeker and a saver. He's on a mission. And we get it that that's Jesus' mission. What we need to get is that that's also our mission, to help people connect with God. That's it. Kind of the theme verse for this whole deal that we're using to sum it up. Jesus, he comes, he lives his life. Perfect example. Dies on the cross, rises from the dead. Before he takes off, he says, okay, y'all, y'all gather around. Here's the deal. You, Acts chapter 1-8, you, he says, all y'all, you will be my, what's the word? Witnesses. To, to give witness to, to simply, a, a witness just says what you saw, what, experience, what you've experienced, what's happened. You give witness to Jesus and what the difference he makes. To the difference that God's love makes in a life. You be my witnesses. Start in your Jerusalem, that's right where you live the people and the friends and the family in your world. But extend it to the weird people that you don't like, your Judea and your Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth. That's how it works. That's your mission. That's our one job. You know, we talked last week about this. Sometimes an employer will give their, their employee a, a job, you know, and they'll flub it up. You know, it's like they won't do it. It's like, I get, come on, I gave you one job. I got some more pictures of, of examples of that. How about this one? Take a look at this. Hey, you know, this person had one job. Right the word school on the street, you know. Apparently didn't go to school long to learn how to spell. Um, how about this one? You had one job. Put up the billboard of the lady. I, okay. Poor gal's head over heels. How about this one? You had one job. Put the, put the eyeball on the Barbie. You had one job. I mean, seriously, how hard can it be? So, How about this one? This one's a real problem. Stock the baby department with everything baby needs. No, those aren't baby bottles. No, 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 no. That's, that, come on, you had one job. Jesus could not have made it more clear. I'm giving you one job. I'm going to give you one job. Here it is. You are like salt in the earth. You are the light in a world that's got some dark stuff going on. You are my witnesses. You Got one job. Help connect people to a God that loves them because they don't believe it, they don't know it. And so that sounds kind of overwhelming and it sounds confusing. How do I do that when I'm working and all this stuff? So we were breaking it down to action steps. That's what the Bible does. It's what Jesus' life does. It makes things that are huge doable. So we break it down to action steps that every one of us can take where we can take one step at a time before long we're living our life on mission. 
So we started action step number one. Remember, it was simply answering the question, who? Who is it that you know that doesn't really have what you would call a life-giving relationship with God? Who is that? Write their name. Someone who's far from God but close to you. And then we talked about how a life on mission kind of follows the pattern of Jesus who is all about relationships, right? So we use the word connect. It's important to connect, to hang out with people, to be friends, to be real, and to, to be friends. So here was the action step. Ready? It was throw a party. You know, be a friend by throwing a party. Or multiple choice. You can go to lunch or start a fire in your backyard and have some people come over and stare at it with you. That's what we did. And then, then we talked about how last week how important it was to improve your serve. Hit a few tennis balls, hit a lady in the mouth, and we reminded ourselves that it's important to be like Jesus who said, I didn't come to be served. You can't go around your life and say, I, I serve me, serve me, but you come to serve others. And then the action step was real practical. It was simply this, the challenge to use your hands. Use your hands somehow to serve someone this week. Pretty simple. And some great stories are actually coming back. If you want to tell a little bit about what you're experiencing with some of your action steps, love to hear about it. Maybe tell some of them. Uh, write me at lifeonmission at mountaincc.org. Lifeonmission at mountaincc.org. We'd love to hear your story. So today what we're going to focus in on is this idea that if we're going to live a life on mission, we connect with people in relationships, hang out with them, and then we serve in the, in the ways. And when we do, eventually God's going to open the window. And the window of opportunity is going to present itself in your life for us to share. Everybody say share. Share, share is simply meaning at some point we've got to open our mouth. We'll probably have to mention the name God. Talk about Jesus. Talk about the person behind our serving, the person behind our lives, the person who's in us, who changes the way we think and do things. And eventually we're going to mention the name of God and find a way because the one they ultimately need to connect with is not us. The one that ultimately they need to receive service from is not us. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. So friends, what God has for people is good. It's good. People run from God. They're afraid of God. They think God doesn't like them. But it's good. And so that means helping people connect with God is good news. It's good news. And if you have good news, you have something that's exciting and positive to share and it's going to bless someone, the most natural thing in the world is to share it. Right? And yet it's hard. And we struggle with this for good reason. I was in Nashville on Tuesday of this week participating in a conference. We were um, broadcasting short videos on important subjects and, and so forth. And, and a local guy from Nashville was um, talking to me, figured I wasn't from Nashville. And he starts asking me, well, how long are you in town? He's trying to tell me all his favorite places. And he goes, well, uh, have you, uh, y while you're here, he says, you've got to go eat at Jack's Barbecue. Oh, my goodness, he says, you got to. Have you ever been to Jack's? I'm like, no. Oh, he says, you've got to go to Jack's. He starts telling me about Jack's. Oh, the ambiance is amazing. As you walk down there downtown, there's all these honky-tonk joints. It's amazing. It's really fun, inviting environment at night. And the food is to die. You're going to think you died and went to heaven. You're going to love the brisket. Get the beans. Oh, and the green beans and the other beans. And he's telling me all about this stuff. This guy's a raving fan of Jack's. I didn't ask for this. He's just like going off on Jack's. Just like, hey, you've got you to try this. You know, try all this stuff. Well, later that night, when our filming session was over, they, they said, okay, we're just going to walk to dinner tonight. We're right downtown. And uh, we walked a few blocks. Guess where we went? 
Jax. Here's a picture of Jax. It's a very exciting. He was right. The ambiance was amazing. And I discovered there's all these loyal fans of Jax, these people that love, love Jax barbecue. And everyone's like, oh, have you eaten here? Oh, this is amazing. And there was like people who had and hadn't. And you could just tell people really believe in it, ready to recommend Jax to everybody and uh, so forth. So when I got inside, of course, I helped myself to a big old plate of food. Would you like to have some? I mean, here's, take a look. Here's my plate. Does that entice you a little bit? Get your taste buds going? Jax is pretty good stuff. Uh, makes you kind of want some, doesn't it? It was good stuff. So just imagine something with me now. Okay, imagine this. Um, imagine I, I, I go to Nashville and I find someone who's local and I say, hey, you know any good places to eat? And they're like, do I? Man, I know this place. Oh, it, the ambiance is amazing. You walk down, there's honky-tonk music everywhere and there's briskets, amazing. The beans are amazing. The lemonade's awesome. You've got to try this place. Man, it's incredible. I'm like, oh, sweet. Let me get that name down. What's the, what's the name of the place? I'm going to put it in my phone and they're like, how about them O's? I'm like, no, that might mean that you were just telling about this awesome thing that you love so much. Uh, what, what's the name of it? Where can I find it? And they're like, the name? The name is uh, J- 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 Do you like the Ravens' chances? I mean, wouldn't that be weird? That would be weird, wouldn't it? I mean, I love Jacks. It's all. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's you know. I I, I just can't uh, bring myself to mention the name to you. I mean, if you don't tell me, I don't know Jack. It's true, right? I don't know. If you don't tell me, how am I going to know? It's the same way with, with God. It's the same way with Jesus. Oh, I, you know, I, I'm having this great experience through my, my group at church. Or, you know, I'm, or I love my church. My life has a sense of peace. I've got some storms going on, some tough stuff, but God's there for me and I'm, I'm handling all this. Or my family is better now. Or my addictions have changed. Or my outlook is, is more positive. I've got a great friends right now. I've got all these things going on. It's like, oh, and I hear that and I'm like, wow, that's awesome. Where can I find that? And you're like, well, his name is... J- how about the O's? I mean, how crazy is that? If we can't ever bring ourselves to, to say the name of Je- Jesus or give credit to God when there's some blessing in our life or to allow conversation to, to go there, to help connect dots to people so they can see the, the reason for the hope that's in you or... I'm not talking about acting like a religious holier than thou, but just being real. If you leave a gap between who you are and the name of Jesus, there's going to be a gap between Jesus and people he loves. It doesn't matter how much you serve him and love him, connect with him. If it's good news, man, share it. Now, the early believers in the early church, you read about in the Bible, man, they were they really connected with people. They made friends, they hung out with them, but they also served. But, that, but, but they went beyond that and they weren't afraid to open their mouths. In fact, Acts chapter 4, verse 12 says this. It says that wholeness in life or peace or healing, salvation, salvation is going to be through Jesus alone. And He's the answer. In all the world, there's no one else that God's given who can really help. People go through stuff. They look all kind of over, all over the place for answers. Jesus is the one that can help and heal and hold and put them together. So we've got to help people connect those dots. You know, you're familiar with that entertaining duo, uh, Penn and Teller. And Penn Gillette 
calls himself an atheist, doesn't believe in God. But, you know, he says those Christians are kind of funky. They're weird. You know, they, they talk about Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life. They act like Jesus is, is really, really important. But if, you think if they really believed that, they'd tell everyone. He says, how much do you have to hate someone to believe that you have the answer for eternal life but not tell them? It's a pretty, pretty good question. This is why the Bible says things like, look, look, look at like Romans chapter 10, for example. Look at a few verses with me. Romans chapter 10, starting in verse 9. Here's what it says. It says that if you, meaning anyone, if you confess that Jesus is Lord and you believe that God raised Him from, dead, from the dead, you'll be saved. Friends, that's really good news. It's not a clique. It's not an exclusive group. It's not hard to get into. You don't get in by trying to be a really good person. No, no, no. If you confess that Jesus is Lord, you'll be saved. It says, for by faith we're put right with God. It's by your belief that, that He's done this. It's by our confession that we're saved. This is really awesome news. The Scripture says, whoever believes in Him will not be disappointed. A lot of people are disappointed with God. But whoever believes in God won't be. This includes everyone because there's no difference between Jews, Gentiles, everybody. God's the same Lord of all. He richly blesses all who call on Him. As the Scripture says, everyone who calls out to the Lord for help will be saved. Does that sound like good news to you? That is good news. Now listen, here's what the next verse says. Verse 14. But listen, how are they going to call on God for help in their life if they've never really believed in Him? I mean, you won't. And how are they ever going to believe if they've never heard this message? And how can they hear if no one tells them? So friend, you're a vital link in the chain between God's heart and someone else's heart to help someone, to get to the place where they can call out to God and get the help they need for their life and their eternity. But they're not going to do that if they don't believe and they're not going to believe if they don't hear and they're not going to hear if someone doesn't tell them. People have a relationship with God because someone recommended it to them and they find out for themselves, wow, it's true. It's a whole lot better than Jack's Barbecue. If you don't tell me about Jack's, I don't know, I don't know Jack. I don't know how to find all the awesome stuff that you love so much about Jack's. It's the same way with God. If you don't tell me, I don't know. So don't be afraid when God opens that window to be honest and vulnerable enough to say what's real for you. Now, last week we talked a lot about serving and how important it is for Christians sometimes just to shut up and show up, serve somehow with acts of humble service and kindness. This week we're talking about how important it is to open our mouths when God opens a window. But the truth is, they, they, they need to ultimately always go together, word and deed. One without the other doesn't cut it when it comes to living a life on mission. No one did that better than Jesus. He came with acts of service, but he also was open with his mouth about who God was, the Father. And nobody, for my dollar, does it better on earth than Missions of Hope International, our friends in Africa, where we sponsor hundreds of kids. Many of you sponsor kids through Missions of Hope. They get this right, word and deed together, in a perfect way that really loves people holistically. It all began in the heart of a woman, Mary Kamau, as a college student who saw the terrible poverty in the slums of Nairobi in the city she lived in, she thought she was poor. She saw that, she said, oh my goodness. God wrecked her over it, and she committed her life to trying to help one kid at a time. In the year 2000, she and her husband, Wallace, got a little house, and by that time had 50 kids they were helping with food and education. And through, 
through time and God's grace and partnership of people like you through sponsorship and partners like Mountain, that, 50 group, of, that group of 50 kids has now grown to 12,800 kids in 16 different centers, 14 different churches. And the woman behind it all and who's been leading it ever since is here with us this weekend, our dear friend, our partner in ministry. Will you give a big mountain welcome for our friend Mary Kamau? Mary? Welcome again. Good morning. So Mary, um, we just cherish our partnership with you. We really are partners in what we're trying to do here, what you're trying to do there. And uh, as we've talked about the blending of acts of kindness, but also sharing the love of Jesus in perfect combination, you have so many stories that you could tell about that. Would you be able to just tell one that would help us kind of feel and see what it looks like? Yeah, uh, I have this story of this woman. Her name is Jane. She's a single mom of two children. Um, as we have been continuing with our ministry, at one point our social workers came across her children. And uh, of course she didn't have a regular job. She wasn't able to take them to school. And uh, our social workers recruited her children into our school in Pangani. And that kind of gave us an entry point to start working with her. And it happened that Jane started getting very sick, and uh, at one point she even got bedridden, and she didn't really know exactly what she was suffering from. And at one point, our social workers talked to her and educated her on uh, HIV and AIDS, and uh, she was able to go for voluntary counseling and testing, and she turned out to be HIV positive. This was very devastating for her. She came back, and at this, by this time, because of the struggles she was going through, her sister, who also had her own children, had taken her to accommodate her in her own chanty. And when Jane came back and shared with her sister about her, her, her status, her HIV status, her sister simply moved out of that chanty with her own children, leaving Jane there with her two children without food, without even being able to pay rent or anything. And she moved out and abandoned Jane there. Our social workers were able to reach out to Jane, love on her, encourage her, and help her. And at one point, there was a, a short-term mission team that had come to work with us, and they made a home visit to this chanty, and they were able to help Jane. They cleaned her body, they cleaned her house, they prayed with her, they cooked for her, they cleaned her dishes and washed her clothes, and, and Jane was really encouraged. And later on, our social workers, as they continued to visit her and to, to just love on her, they were able to share with Jane about Jesus and the love of Jesus. And of course, Jane had already experienced this through these loving people. And, 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 and our social worker, Lynn, invited Jane to receive the Lord Jesus Christ. Jane got saved and she was later baptized. And today, she is strong for Jesus. She has actually uh, gotten stronger and stronger and she's serving in the praise team in our church in Pangani. And she's very strong for Jesus and she's reaching out to others. Mm -hmm. That's a perfect, perfect example. It's a perfect example in Jane's life, isn't it, of how if they had just walked in and said, well, you really need to know about the love of God, she probably wouldn't have been open. 
Um, but it was the acts of kindness in her life that opened her heart and eventually opened the window. By the same token, if they had only just loved her but never shared the, the salvation name of Jesus, she, it wouldn't have come together for her either. So what a beautiful example. You know, um, that kind of holistic blending of word and deed is exactly what happens in the family of every child that we sponsor. I know hundreds of you sponsor children in Africa, and so many more children are waiting today. Um, like this guy, Robert, we have a table out here. If you want to make that kind of difference in someone's life, that's something that you and your family would like to do to sponsor a child. Uh, maybe you'll go with us on our trip sometime this summer or next year or whatever and go visit that child. And uh, this is Robert, but there's lots more like Robert and like Jane and her family who are waiting for this opportunity. If that's something you want to do, man, I would really, really encourage you to do it. Uh, take that, that name home, put it on your fridge, and make a difference like this. So, But let's show our appreciation to Mary and Missions of Hope. Thank you. So we get this idea of words and deeds blending together, and usually we kind of like one or the other. We want to be all about serving, but I don't want to open my mouth. Or I want to just kind of blab stuff, and I don't really want to actually love them. And we're focusing this weekend on how important it is to sometimes open our mouth when God opens the window. And I think we freak out at that point because a lot of us are like, man, we've had a negative experience. We don't want, we've, you know, we don't want to be that, that proselytizer or whatever. Uh, we feel like it means we've got to have all the answers or be an expert on everything. We, I think we feel like we're supposed to be like that guy on TV. Remember that guy on TV? He's the most interesting man in the world. He does the beer commercials. Here's a picture of him. Remember this guy? He's amazing. You know, he shows up. He's got this masculine beard. Every time they show him, he's like walking on fire or swimming with the sharks or sword fighting somebody. You know, they have, the voiceover comes over and he once gave a pep talk that was so compelling, both teams won. You know, it's like, this guy's incredible, you know. I mean, he, he makes Chuck Norris look like a weenie. And, and, and here, here he is, you know. Um, and, and then they always close with him sitting there at the table, you know, with a silk neckerchief and two babes on either side. And he's like, I don't always drink beer, but when I do, it's this stuff, you know. And, 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 we're, and then we just go, wow, I want to drink that stuff because I want to be like the most amazing man in the world. And if that's what it means to share my faith, I've got to have the most interesting story in the world. I've got to somehow be the most interesting person, then count me out, because that's not me. Get, get, let me. Let me tell you, you don't have the most interesting story in the world. Get over it, okay? It's okay. But you do have your story, and that's the one you're supposed to tell. And a witness isn't someone who makes something up, you know, well, I once fought sharks, I was chased by ISIS, and I was raised by a pack of wolves, but then Jesus saved me. No, 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 no. You don't need a TMZ type of story. You need your story. And that's the one that God's hoping you'll share. Even if you think you have a boring story. Some people are like, man, I wish I was on drugs for a while so I'd have a more remarkable story. It's like, no, you don't. <laughs> it's like, all I got is peace and calm in my life. You know, it's like, yeah, you, you got the one thing the whole world is hungry for. Okay, figure out a way to tell that story. If God's real to you at all, then tell that. Tell about the stuff you've been spared from. But your job is to be ready to tell your story. Because here's the deal. People don't guess their way to God. People don't guess their way to the good news. It's not what you'd expect. 
It's not like they're going to find, figure it out on their own. It's too bizarre. That's why they call it amazing grace. That you can go, that you can be so far from God and reject God and have God still love you is not what people think. People think God hates them. People think the church is stupid. People think Jesus is some nice moral teacher, a character on The Simpsons who wears flip-flops and a halo or something. They don't get it. They need someone to help them stop guessing because they don't know that there is such a place like this where you can love God, love people, and serve the world. And, 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 and we've got to use words. Some people say, well, I just want to live a nice, calm, I'll have peace, and people will be drawn to the peace. Like, no. I mean, I'm, I'm glad you're peaceful, but you, for all they know, you're, you're into yoga or you smoke weed or there's a lot of reasons you can be peaceful. So put some words to it and be ready. The early Christians, Acts chapter 4, they were like, man, we can't help but speaking about what we've seen and heard. Is that you? Because there will come a time when God will open the window and He'll nudge you and say, say something to that person. Go ahead and just share it. Go talk to that person. When He opens that window, are you ready? Tell them not just about Jack's barbecue where they can get a meal, but tell them about the relationship that they're most hungry for, whether they know it or not, and the difference it's made in your life. First Peter 3 says this, In our hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Yes, that's great. In your own heart, you have a relationship with God. That's awesome. But don't hog it. Also, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Don't force yourself on anyone. Don't be a jerk. Don't be a dork. The best way to do this is to simply be ready to tell your story. Take, take a look in your Bible if you got it there uh, or your phone or electronic version or wherever you got. John chapter 9 is this great little incident. I want to give you a little snapshot to encourage you as we close. This is a guy who was blind from the time he was born. And, and God said he's going to do something amazing in his life in order to display the power and the goodness of God. And he does it through Jesus in a weird way. Jesus spits. You read the text there, Jesus spits. The Son of God hawks a loogie into the dirt. And then he does something weirder. He bends down and he starts making a little mud pie, a little ball. He starts a gooey little mess in his hands. It's like, ew. If he comes toward you, you're running. But this guy's blind, didn't know any better. He stands there. Jesus comes up, divides it out, puts it in his eyes. You can't make this stuff up. And then he says, go wash. Well, yeah. He goes over to the pool of Siloam and washes. And when he does, when the mud falls off, in a symbolic and literal and figurative way, for the first time in his life, this man can see. His eyes are open. Big life change. Big time change. People are looking at him, and they're like, hey, wait a second. Isn't this the dude that we always saw begging by the gate? The blind guy? Sure looks like him. And then some other folks come and say, no, I don't think that's possible because he can see and that guy was blind. I bet it's a different guy. So notice something here. This guy has an out if he wants it. There's an opportunity to forget about talking about the name of God at all. He can just say, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're confusing me with somebody else and walk away. There's always an out for us to avoid going into the spiritual conversation if you want it. You'll always have an out. Yes, like that blind man, Jesus has probably done something in your life. He's probably blessed you. He's probably opened your eyes in a lot of ways. He's probably opened your eyes to eternal life. He's probably given you an opening to 
a sense of belonging and family and fellowship and peace through the storms of life. But then a window of opportunity is going to open and someone's going to say something to you. Hey, you're one of those Christians, right? Or uh, what do you think of all this stuff about God? Or what are you doing this weekend? Or, you know, I'm just really hurting right now. I don't know how to, I need help with my anger. Or uh, do you know any place where I can get some help for my addiction? Or do you know any place about what I can do with my kids? I mean, those windows open, you can say nothing. Or say, how about them O's? Or plead the fifth. You have the right to remain silent. Well, when the window opens, you can open your mouth as well and say, yeah, I, I do believe that stuff. God's been a big part of my life. I'll tell you about that sometime if you're interested in hearing it. Or, yeah, I'm not perfect either. I, I'm still pretty much a mess up, but I, man, I'd be, I'd be really messed up without God. Or, could I, could I pray for you? I'd be willing to pray for you. I'll write that down and I'll remember to pray for you. Or, God's made a big impact on my life in ways I sometimes have trouble explaining, but I know, I know he's real in my life. You just use your mouth to tell some of your story, whatever it is. Sometimes we get nervous still, like in the, in the passage here in verse 9, these guys ask the man, how then were your eyes opened? They, they demand answers. They want details. And I love the guy's reply. He says, the man they call Jesus made some mud and he put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and then I could see. That's his answer. Simple. It's not this elaborate, deep, complex, theological, sophisticated answer. He doesn't say, oh, well, I'm glad you asked. Well, you see, the incarnate Son of God, who is the epistemological ground of all being, not to mention the incarnate Logos, came to earth from his infinite place and glory, and he imputed his divine beneficence upon my life. Because even though he was fully God and fully man, he is not dispassionate and he somehow intervened in the midst of my existential angst and he bequeathed graciously a healing to my infirmity. No. He doesn't sound like that at all. He says, Jesus put mud in my eye and then I washed it and I can see. And everybody can tell their version of that story. You can. Whatever it is, Give witness to whatever's happened in your life. Figure it out, what's happened in your life. Tell it. They come back at him. So you say it's Jesus, huh? You say this is a God thing in your life? I don't believe it. And then they're like, verse 12, where is this man, they asked him. And I love his answer. I don't know. That's part of your witness. There's a lot of things you don't know the answer to. But instead of saying, oh no, they're going to ask me questions I won't know the answer to. I'm just going to freeze and freak out. You know, people are always going to do that. People are always going to, in order to avoid God getting to their heart, they're going to think of some answer that nobody knows the answer to. Whether, were there woodpeckers on the ark? I mean, how would that work? Did Adam have a belly button? You know, why isn't Chick-fil-A open on Sundays? Which came first, the chicken or the egg? And speaking of which, what about their stance on same-sex marriage? All of a sudden, you're going to be like, oh, no. We can get all freaked out and all this stuff. What about, there are tough questions that don't have answers. Where, how come this bad thing happened in my life? And we need some smart people and some theologians and some scientists who, who are really smart at answering those questions. But not everyone's like that. Not every conversation needs that. What everyone does have is a story to tell. And sometimes we just need to answer like this guy does. I'm going to put words on the screen. I'm going to say them once to practice. You try it and see if it can come out of your mouth. Ready? Here are the words. I don't know. You try some of you couldn't say it. I get it. It's okay. Keep working on it. 
but that's part of your story. It's part of what a witness says. Well, I, 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 there's a lot of things I don't know. They come back at the man, verse 24, they're like, we think this God stuff is a hoax. I mean, the people that you know that feel this way. This is our culture. We think Jesus is a jerk. We don't believe it. We think Jesus is a sinner. Verse, verse 25, here's what the man says. I love it. Whether Jesus is a sinner or not, I don't know. But one thing I do know, I was blind, but now I can see. Just tell your story. You don't have to have the answer to everything. There's a lot of things you won't have the answer to. But what you can say is, here's what I know about me. He's real to me, and this is the difference he's made in my life. If you want great things to happen in someone's life, let them know if anything's happened in yours. So here's the action step, okay? Here's the action step for this week for share. Ready? Prepare, then practice, and then share your story. Prepare something. Practice it in your head. Share it when the window opens. Grab that right in front of you in the seat back. There's a little index card. I'm going to invite everyone to pull that thing out of there. Everybody can do this. So pull out a white index card. Give one to everybody down the row. Okay? And, and as we're just talking in the next couple of minutes, just grab a pencil. Maybe jot an idea. What's your story? What's your God story? Some of you are like, well, my mama prayed for me when I was little. Or I had that car accident and that's when I called to God and I think he, you know, whatever. Just start jotting ideas. Or, you know, I, I've prayed and I haven't got answers and so I've had a long time where I'm, I'm not sure where God is. Whatever it is, it's your story. Write some stuff down. Maybe there's a before and an after. I was empty and now I feel like my life has purpose. Maybe yours is one of those where I've been walking with God my whole life uh, but I have a deeper relationship now as a result of this or that or the other. But just... Be ready to tell your story. It doesn't have to be the Declaration of Independence. Make it an elevator speech. hundred words or less. But write something. Start writing some ideas right now. God's going to open a window. Wouldn't it be great if you'd thought it through instead of had to freak out and come up with it in the moment? Everyone's got a God story. What's yours? Use the card. Write it down. In our group this week with some guys, we were talking about this. Everyone had to go around and tell their God story. We had two minutes to deliver it. And we went around. They were all terrible and wonderful at the same time because they were terrible because they were unrehearsed, but they were wonderful because they were real and from the gut and they were powerful. One of those guys was Bob. I said, Bob, that was awesome. Would you be willing to share that with everybody? He said, sure. So welcome my friend, Bob. Come on, Bob. card you got your card <laughs> thanks Ben uh, you know when Ben asked me to do uh, a share of my story my first thought was how how could I put my whole whole life story into two minutes or on a on a card and uh, so I prayed to God and uh, I asked him for his gu his guidance and and this is what he gave me and I got it on two pages so uh, when I was seven years old I uh, was sexually abused by a man. And I've had flashbacks to that uh, throughout my entire life. And I often wondered, what, did that really happen? Or so, so I put it on the back shelf, and, and I never dealt with it. But by keeping it in the uh, dark, it, it had power over me. Uh, and it set the stage for a lifelong addiction to pornography um, and the progressive behaviors that go along with it. And this, combined with my workaholism, set the stage for a perfect storm. Um, my life was empty. I felt lost, unworthy, alone, afraid. And my insides never matched what I saw on the outsides of others. I became disconnected from others while, while falling deeper into my addiction. And it produced guilt, self-hatred, remorse, emptiness, and pain. And I just wanted to be normal 
like everybody else. The addiction uh, es escalated to almost every day of the week. I, I finally hit bottom. I couldn't see a way out. And um, suicide was an option. But I couldn't do a uh, selfish thing like that to my family. So through a friend, I found my way to celebrate recovery at Mountain. And after attending several meetings, someone asked me to come to service on Sunday. And after the doors in the NLC closed behind me, I knew I was in the right place. Uh, the fellowship was just something I never experienced in my life. So Jesus came into my life. I was baptized. And, and like Ben said, I was listening. It's like the mud was just, you know, removed from me. And through the loving grace of the living God, I began to heal. That was six years ago. And at that time, and in that time, God has given me a mission to help other men uh, with sexual sin. And finding this loving God who could heal them and guide them to the light. So today I'm grateful for all those that God has put into my life, especially my wife and family, who never gave up on me, who have helped me in recovery and deepen my understanding of what a Christian life should be. And you know, today I actually thank God for my addiction, as crazy as it sounds, uh, because it woke me up and brought me closer to him. And you know, if God can love a sinner like me, he can love anybody. So I urge you to write your story and put it into the light. That's my story. Thank you so much. God bless. So what's your story? It's not Bob's story. It's not the guy with dirt in his eye story. But you have a story. Be ready to share it when God opens the window. Because he will. He will. Let's pray. God, thank you for, for the good news of Jesus. I pray that wherever we may be, and I know people are all over listening to this prayer right now, Lord, wherever we are, we, I pray, Lord, that we will move closer to him, but not just for our own sake, but for the sake of someone else as well. Help us to see when you open windows and to be ready to open our mouths to live a life for you on mission. We pray in Jesus' name and all God's people said,